Hi, welcome to East to West WLS, the podcast where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. If you're watching this podcast on our YouTube channel, you will see that two of our most favorite humans on the planet are joining us today, Jana and Laura. Hi, friends. Hello. Hello. We are so excited to have you here for another amazing episode where we get both of your expert uh, knowledge on one of the most scariest topics in our bariatric journey, regain. Boo, spooky. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's worried about it. But we are here as a team to really dispel the myths about regain, to make it not so spooky, to shine some light on these dark places along our bariatric journey and really deep dive into regain. We want to know what it is, why it happens, what we can do when we notice it, um, and, and just offer some strategies for moving through it because it's something we're all going to experience bariatric <laughs> surgery or no bariatric surgery, right? Weight fluctuates over time. It's supposed mm-hmm. to do that. The body's built for that. So really the goal is, Let's let's remove the shame. Let's name it. That's one of my Laura, your favorite, my favorite sayings of you, I think, so far is you gotta name it, right? We gotta say, nope, this is what's happening, so that we can clearly identify it and then make a path forward. So before we dive into this episode, uh, ladies, I would love for you to introduce yourselves. But I think before we do that, we have so many new listeners to the podcast. Jason, I think you and I should maybe take again, very short 30 seconds and introduce people to who we are as individuals and hosts of this podcast. So do you want to start? Sure. My name is Jason Smith. I am 45 years old. I had weight loss surgery, uh, the vertical gastrectomy, uh, vertical sleeve gastrectomy. Wow. That's the first time I've ever messed that up. (laughs) BSG on uh, March 20th of 20, uh, March 11th of 2020. I'm messing everything up today. And uh, I've lost 191 pounds overall so far. And um, my why for having the surgery was uh, my family. I saw the way my weight was impacting the, uh, my family as being able to do things and be a father to my kids and my uh, grandfather to my grandkids and wanted to be better for them. So took the plunge and uh, have never felt better in my life. And I'm so glad that you and I became friends. So my name is April Williams. I'm a 40-year-old woman. I live in Gig Harbor, Washington. I had VSG, same procedure as Jason, in July of 2019. I have lost and maintained a 120-pound weight loss. Uh, My why was because I didn't recognize myself in the mirror anymore and something had to give. This was the last thing that I had not tried. So I thought, you know what? It's time to do what I have not done. And for those of you who are watching, you've been maybe listening to us. Jason, I've actually never met in person. We met online at one of the virtual bariatric meetups. I know it's insane. And we have just become the best of friends. And we've built East to West because we both saw a need in the bariatric community. And we both had skills that we could bring to this platform uh, to to really kind of shine light on the bariatric community and the support uh, of it. But the only reason Jason and I have been successful is because of women and humans like Janet and Laura, who are experts in our community and volunteer their time and share their knowledge with us so that we can learn and grow from them. Because while Jason and I are the patient experts, we are not a registered dietitian, nor are we a therapist. So we ask them to join us often and frequently so that we can really kind of pick their brain and we can absorb their their expertise and incorporate that into our lives as bariatric patients. So uh, if you are looking for a safe place to connect, learn and grow, welcome friends, you have found it. (laughs) Okay, now let's get to the real introductions. Jana, let's start with you, then we'll, we'll wrap up with Laura. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for having me again. I'm thrilled to be working with Laura as well. And um, 
My name is Jana Wolf. I'm a registered dietitian. I've been one for almost six years now, and um, I specifically work in bariatrics and weight management. And I am the director of nutrition for a um, large surgical center in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm from New York, but um, I'm also the proud owner of Barry Box, the first meal delivery service made for bariatric patients. And we do deliver nationwide and um, we're growing and I love it. I'm so happy. So thank you. And you have two very happy customers on this call with you today. Jason and I love your product, your meals. The dessert is, I think, the only thing that gets Jason through really dark days are the very box desserts because they are yeah. that good. <laughs> that's, all, that's all skill power right there. No willpower <laughs> necessary. Yeah, I have to agree. I've had very box meals. They're excellent. Thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're so good. I could not believe it. Every meal I've tried, I'm just like, okay, I don't understand what magic went in this. There's something where I, it, you just can't explain it until you take that first bite. Then, chef. Oh yeah. my God. You're like, there's no way this just came out of my freezer and from a microwave. It is a gourmet meal in a bariatric friendly portion that just lives in your freezer. And the first time I had it, I remember I messaged Jana before and I was like, you know, I'm a little bit worried about the portion size. And she's like, Oh my goodness, let me know. And I messaged her halfway through and I'm like, I can't even finish it. I don't know what I was doing before. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Oh, best meal ever. All right. Miss Laura Grabo. Yes, I'm a, my name's Laura Grabo. Um, I'm a therapist here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've been a therapist for 24 years, the last 18 years of bariatric therapist only. Um, I do everything from pre-op behavioral assessments, behavioral education, groups, support groups, um, private uh, individual therapy. And I'm also um, the proud owner and creator of my first ever online course, Foundations and Headwork for Healthy Weight Loss. And what do I do in all those things? My passion is providing the missing piece to the bariatric surgery treatment plan, a piece I call Headwork. And I got to tell you, I, I have not taken Laura's full course, but I've had the privilege of having, you know, personal conversations and, and private conversations with her. And there are so many gems of wisdom that exist in Laura that she just comes at you with. And it's that, it's that piece when you finally hear it or you understand it. And Jason, I know, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh my God, that's what was missing. That is what I never thought of, or I never considered. I mean, it's just like, yeah, that epiphany will hit your heart. Is that that missing piece clicks in, and you're just oh, it changes everything. Oh, that changes everything. Yep, and, and I think the the how we all met. I think Jana, we invited you on the podcast a year ago or a long time ago, and Jana said, you know who you should also meet is my friend Laura. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Look where we are now, right? And I love it. And if you're listening to this before November 4th, a little bit of a teaser, both of these ladies are involved in what we have been working on behind the scenes. And we are so honored to have them a part of our team. And yeah, we just can't wait to, to support the bariatric community in a new way with your, with your help and support. So, okay, enough about all that jazz. Let's get to it, regain the scariest, spookiest part about bariatric surgery. So our topics today are really with the, the big questions that we're going to answer uh, are what, what is regain and what defines it? How can we tell the difference between regain or just, you know, gaining a few pounds? When should we be concerned or when should we really focus on regain? And then what can we do about it? Right. And then if we have time, we'd love to kind of, you know, 
maybe muse a little bit on why regain is so scary uh, and why it's just such a shameful topic for, for bariatric patients, especially. So if you lay, ladies are ready, should we dive in? Let's, do, Let's it. do it. Let's do it. All right. First things first, what is regain? Who wants to start? So I, I'm just going to say that there's like not a great, when you look at the when you look at all of the research, there's not a great definition of like what counts as failure of the surgery and what that regain looks like. Um, you all like most patients will get down to, um, the lowest weight that they'll hit. And then most patients will regain 10 to 15 pounds. That's typical. That's typical. Um, does that mean that that's that you're going to keep going up and trending up? No, usually the, goal is to keep you at that weight when you go down up and then stay right there. Um, yep. although it won't really look like this, it'll maybe look like this, you know? Um, right. So, mm -hmm. and, and our body weight fluctuates, especially after surgery, because, um, you know, our metabolism changes, how much we eat changes, our hormones change. And even over time that can change too. So, I would say that consistency and what you do most of the time, what you do 80% of the time, meaning your lifestyle habits, like what you eat most of the time, how you exercise most of the time, what you drink most of the time, that is what makes up your weight. And I will always say this always, always, always never use the scale as your only measure of weight management ever. Let's say that louder for the people in the back. Yeah. Never <laughs> use the scale as your only measure of weight management, success or failure. Like it is not, that's not it. It's how you feel on a regular basis. It's how you fit in your clothing. It's how you sleep. It's how you manage stress. It's how you interact with the world around you um, and, and how you feel physically. Well, Jason, I, you and I often have this conversation, right? There's some days where we look in the mirror and we're so proud of what we see. That is a data point that we can use to know that we are, yes. we're on the right track. And I have yes. experienced that, you know, th this up and down. And I know you have too, Jason, haven't you? Yeah. The, the, the crazy thing about using the scale and this is back because I'm a daily wearer still to this day, even though I shouldn't mm. be, I still do it because it's habit for me. However, I've changed my relationship with the number that I see on the scale so that it does not detract me from my day because that was huge. I was finding out was not only did I get on the step on the scale and like look forward at the wall and have this like flashback of everything I did the day before as to how it may affect what I'm about to look down and see. And I'd have to tell myself like, all right, man, look, we're, whatever this, whatever the number is, we're not going to let it derail the day because I was getting to a point where I'm just drinking water all day. Screw it. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm just going to do this and I'm going to drop back down. I got to start over every single day. I was having that, which would lead me to derail throughout the day and make it worse. So I'm the kind of person I've always been this way. I could weigh, I could literally drop seven pounds in a day and mine will, from day to day and mine will be water weight, whatever it may be, whatever fluctuates in my system. I'm just that person. I can be up three today, down seven tomorrow and up again or dead even the next day. I'm just that. So I had to quit letting it bother me in such a profound way. So coming up with, you know, kind of relegating myself to thinking it's not about that number. It's mm -hmm. more about how my clothes fit, how I feel, 
the fact that I can get up and walk as far a distance as I want to walk without being out of breath or sweaty or, you know, feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack. Those things don't equate to me anymore. I don't have those feelings anymore. So I know I'm doing better than I was. And whatever number that is on the scale doesn't equate to me just falling off the wagon and going back up. And tomorrow I'm going to be back at 468 pounds because it doesn't work that way. But we think it does. And Laura, I, I know that you can speak to this, right? That the shame and, and the thoughts that creep in as soon as we see that number go up, even if it's oh, an, an ounce, a single tiny ounce, we just. Yes. A lot of the work I do, that's why I'm so pleased, Jason, to hear you've done this, done this psychological work is helping clients develop a healthier relationship with the scale. And a lot of that work has to do with what you do up here and the number we see on the scale. Um, is information. It's data. It's nothing about our character. It's just inform it's information and it tells us what to, then we decide what to do with that information. And with deciding what to do, I want to go back to what Jana said, and that is it cannot be the only thing we consider when it comes to our weight management journey. No, mm -hmm. we, you know, when, when I experienced my first re my, my first bounce, it was a pretty significant bounce and it happened this summer and it was like 12 mm. or 15 pounds. And I just thought, Oh, okay, this is, this is not good, but it was not good because I didn't feel well. My, my clothes weren't fitting. Well, I mean, I just, I, I felt like I was not at that happy, healthy weight. Mm. And I understand that it takes a really long time to either come to peace with that number or find out what that number is, because we all go into bariatric surgery thinking like, oh, I'm going to weigh 150 pounds. Mm. I'm just going to, that's just going to come off like this. And then we never get there. And that just drags us down and, and, and can really weigh on our souls. So we have to have this internal conversation and dialogue with ourselves about, okay, what is going to be my happy, healthy weight? And that's what, what we call that is the weight that we're willing to do the work to maintain for the rest of our lives. And that might not be that number, that BMI number, but that healthy, happy weight for us is what is the weight that allows me to be metabolically well? Can I get off all of my medications, right? Am, am I no longer diabetic or pre-diabetic? You know, um, is my heart working well? Do I have low cholesterol, right? Like all of these numbers that indicate longevity. Um, can I reach those numbers at my weight? And right now my, my weight is 205 and I'm there. And I would have never in a million years thought that. But that is that happy, healthy weight. So for me, it's like, okay, if I stay between 200 and 205, eh, 207, I'm doing good. So when I step on the scale and it does this, it's supposed to do that. That's a good day. Like, oh, okay. I am. I'm hey, doing things. Go April. Right? Yeah. Took well, me some the time. Thing, the, the thing about mine that was so funny is remember when we first met and I was telling you, I was like, yeah, I'd like to get down to about 250 and then lift weights back, you know, build muscle back up to about 275. That's about where I'd be cool stopping. Well, my body was like, that's cute. That's nice. We're going to go to 295 and yeah. you're going to play hell getting below that. So what I did was, is the only time I got below 295 was when I did the liquid diet again with my wife, when I was over a year out of surgery and she went through her, you know, she was doing pre-op. So she had her two week liquid diet. So I did it with her. So she wasn't alone. And I got down to 285 when I was doing that. As soon as I got done and I put food back in my mouth, I was back to 295. Well, now I'm settled around 305, 309. That's about where I duck back and forth. But like April said, all my labs and everything are still across the board level. I'm good on all that stuff. But yeah, I'm like 305 is it. Like, I, I mean, if I really wanted to push myself, I could probably get lower. But 
like, you know, like we talk about, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to maintain that in a healthy way. Like I'm going to be doing liquid diets most of the time or intermittent fasting or doing something that's not as healthy for me as eating complete meals are, which is what's keeping me where I'm at now. Now, never in a million years would I have thought 305 was going to be it because coming from, you know, when I was, before I gained all my weight, 305 was big to me. But when you come from 468 pounds, 305 is not that big and I'm doing, I'm doing okay now. So I never would have thought that that was going to be my resting point, but I'm okay with it now. Yeah. And I like the idea of that mindset of, you know, you are better, you are at a better place than where you were and knowing where that top number is, um, you know, everyone has a weight loss goal, but nobody has a weight gain goal, you know, a weight, a weight ceiling, you know, what are you not comfortable getting over? And if you hit that, when do you reach out for help? Because I have so many patients come back to me when they've already regained 50 pounds, or they've already regained a number that feels not doable for them to start re-losing because regain can also come with re-losing. You can re-lose. You're not just done. You know, your, your weight is fluid throughout your entire lifespan and you do have some control over it. Um, you know, partly due to the chronic condition of obesity and holding a higher weight, there are some things that are working against the body, but you have some control over some of it, you know? And one of that one piece of that is asking for help when you've hit a ceiling, like when you've hit a number that you are no longer comfortable with and knowing that ahead of time and not just like taking a backseat to it and letting it happen. Um, Cause how many times do you feel like, Oh, people just kind of like go through their life. And then all of a sudden, Oh my God, I'm 20 pounds up. I'm 25 pounds up. What the heck just happened? So maybe the scale could be used as your meter instead of, you know, putting you down and, you know, assigning morality to it. Like Laura was saying, no, instead it could just be like a speedometer, speedometer, like the, you know, what, when it's telling you, okay, you're going too fast, you're going too high. Now let's, let's take a step back and pull, pull your foot off the gas. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, um, yeah, I'd love to jump in here because, you know, back to that question, you know, what is regain? We're kind of talking about two different things. Like what is my happy, healthy weight? Like what can I live with? But then I think our listeners really want to know there's something more than that. Sometimes I cross that line and regains happening and that's why it's spooky. And I love how Jana defined regain as a, you know, as a mental health therapist. I mean, re- regain definition is just, you know, simply put pounds, but from a psychological perspective, um, what I've learned and I learned the most from my patients is regain is uh, a symptom of something bigger, which I called relapse. And I love that Jana and April have already brought up this idea of the chronic disease of obesity and metabolic wellness. And we, I want to say that again, obesity is a chronic disease without a cure. Bariatric surgery by far is the best tool out there to treat it, but it doesn't cure it. So we see, and me working with patients now, 18 years, you will experience relapse. Let me say that again for your listeners. You will experience relapse. We got to name it. Um, in fact, I, re- I renamed the group that I was teaching on this. I said, you know, it's not relapse prevention group. We are not going to tell our patients how to prevent it. We're going to teach them how to manage it. 
And that's why Jana and I are here today. You know, like it will happen, but let's manage it. And I believe when we talk about regaining, I want your listeners to think about when you've been regaining in the past, I almost want to say there's stages, if you will, of the relapse cycle. Um, The first stage I call a lapse. Um, The second stage I call a relapse. And the third stage I call a collapse. And Jana and I want to come in and help you when you're in the beginning stages of relapse. And now I know you're thinking, April's probably thinking, Laura, go a little bit deeper on those three terms. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, all of us have a lapse, right? Lapse is a few days of some unplanned eating. Lapse is maybe a few days of not journaling. Sometimes we plan our lapses. It's planned to be unplanned. It's a vacation or a birthday. Okay. We have planned lapses. The key is you still feel in control instead of food controlling you. I'm going to say that again. With a lapse, you still feel in control instead of food controlling you. You know that you've been off plan for a few days, but you can easily get back on track. That is a lapse. We all have them. Bariatric surgery patients, non-bariatric surgery patients. The key is control. It's a few days. Easily get back on track. Relapse is when your lapses start stringing together. You don't get back on track. So for example, um, I just had a client and I hear this story many times, but a client in my office today who had a planned lapse, she was on vacation. She ate a little bit differently than she did when she's not on vacation. We've all been there. She's back on track today, Monday, but sometimes you don't get back on track. You had that plan. So the lapses start stringing together. You maybe get back on track for a few days and then you're back in some lapsed behavior. I'm going to define that relapse. And the key is it's because you're losing control. Within a lapse, it was very easy to get back on program. Okay. In a relapse, food is starting to control you instead of you feeling in control of food. Your time is feeling in control of you instead of you feeling in control of time. And what's happening then is your disease of obesity is getting activated. And how is it getting activated? It's getting activated and regain. We're seeing a symptom of regain. And then that brings me to collapse. Sometimes many of you and many of your listeners feel like, that's it, that's me, I'm in collapse. If you were listening, if you are listening right now or watching this podcast, you are not in collapse because you are still engaged. When a patient enters collapse, they have completely quit they have completely said, I'm done, I'm not working on it, and you go back into your pre-bariatric surgery behavior and you don't treat your disease obesity at all. Wow. Oh <laughs> my God. That's awesome. Oh my God. Maybe that should be a class. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If only there was should... a place you could take that class and come together as a nation to take mm. classes and things that mm. would help people in yeah. such a way. Well, I think again, yeah, oh. we, we got to name it. And regain is a bit, is a symptom, at least from my perspective, regain is a, regain is a symptom of relapse yeah. and it's going to happen. We need to name it and we need to know how to treat it. And I, and we can talk about that. And I think that's where we're going in the podcast of, you know, why does it happen? You know, why does regain slash relapse happen and what do we do about it? That's why we're here. And, today. With, and with collapse, like you talk about, we, we talk about this often when people say, you know, I feel like I've failed as a bariatric patient when you, and, and often we say much like collapse, 
the only time you fail as a patient is when you just write off everything you've been doing and don't even look at it as I'm not even going to worry about that. I'm, I'm done. I've done all I can do. I'm just going to be like this forever. And I'm just done. When you wake up, you know, in a day with your mindset of you're not going to try anymore, that's when you failed as a patient. But now we have a term for that. We can name it, which is called collapse, which works a lot better than just saying you've given up. I actually love that term because, yeah, that puts a face to it. Well, and all of this is just like snapping together in place for me, because when when we were at the virtual bariatric meetup last week or two weeks ago, <clears throat> I finally it finally clicked in my, my brain about obesity being a chronic disease. And then these little data points, right, these feedback, th this feedback that we're getting from the scale or our bodies or our clothes or all these different feed data points are pointing to either you need more treatment or your treatment plan is working. And I was like, oh my God, that is so simple. It so clearly gives you, uh, you know, a, a direction to go because if my data is saying, nope, everything's good. My treatment is working. The, the, my treatment plan is working and our treatment plan is tracking water, vitamins, movement, mindset, metabolic, like all of these things. And I was like, oh my God, this finally makes sense in my brain. And to so clearly have lapse, relapse and collapse. I mean, I have seen myself in lapse and relapse. Jason, you and I talk about this all the time as friends. We're like, oh my God, I just can't get back on the wagon or like, oh, the my damn wagon has, it's, it's on fire down some ravine and I'm clinging on, you know, it's like, oh my yeah. God, that is exactly where it's at. And, and that relapse, I, I, I so understand that activation of those old thoughts of those old patterns, those old drives. It's like, oh no, 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 no. Like, oh, this is really coming in hot. Right. We, we talked, we talked about your summer. I mean, your summer was off the rails and you were like, I feel like my wagon's off in the ravine somewhere. Well, that's because you're re yeah, your, your patterns were stringing together. Like she talked about with relapse. Yes. But what was so powerful is that even when I was in relapse, I was still, thank you, Natalie showing up every day. I was doing one thing. I was getting my water. I was taking my vitamins. I was moving. I was doing one thing. And that is what kept me from collapse. You got it. And that's why what Jana said was so important is that we want to help you. So first of all, expect it. Okay. You will regain as a bariatric surgery patient. We can help you more when you seek help earlier in the cycle. Like we're oh. not talking about that 10 to 15 pound bounce back that people have. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, when Jana was saying, you know, a regain could be 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. I mean, we want to get you earlier. So we want to lift shame to say, Hey, this can happen. Regain can happen. What do I do about it? And when you agree, Jana? Well, yeah, sure. Because the, the more that you gain, the less out of your hands it feels. And then we go back to what you were saying where it's less control. So, right. um, the, the whole thing though, is that when, when people do come to me, when their lapses are really starting to string together and they say, I know what to do, I just don't know how to start, or I don't know where I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like it's almost, I, I almost feel like it's a knee jerk reaction to be like, I don't know why I gained, you know, but being aware, I, yes, I know. I, I know think that that's your, it's a, I, I mean, I think it's a defense mechanism of our brain to be like, I don't, I don't know why, you know, this isn't me. This is what I'm doing. This is something 
external, like that I can't control. But then when you take some time and you actually speak to someone and you reach out for help, whether it's your therapist, your dietitian, even a friend, even someone like a, a partner that you have in the bariatric community and you're teaching them what to do. I always say, grab a partner. If you teach someone and help them, you're helping yourself because you're relearning all the information. A lot of the basics do not change. You know, April, you had mentioned a couple of basics earlier. I have a whole, I was showing them before, I have a whole list of basics and that's a long list. You know, I mean, that becomes like having protein three times a day, reaching your protein goals of 60 to 100 grams per day, but also splitting them out during the day. And also it doesn't matter that you can only eat this much at every meal. You can still gain weight if your meals aren't comprised of really wholesome, healthy, balanced foods. You know, I think a lot of the time, when you lose all the, this weight and you're like, oh, it's because I could only eat so much. There are other things going on in the body. Okay. Mm. Um, and up here. So oh. I think that also, you know, we do creep back into our old habits and we don't even realize it. I mean, sometimes people are like, oh, I forgot that hundred percent fruit juice is almost the same amount of sugar as soda. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, well, we, Yes. We, we fall back into those old habits because that that's comfortable. Right. And then right. And as we've experienced as a bariatric patient in that honeymoon phase, the weight's just fallen off and you're not doing any work and you get lulled into thinking like, Oh, this is easy. <clears throat> this is, this is exactly what I thought it would be until you reach that point where your body's lost a lot of weight, but you are not to where you need to be. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is getting really hard. Oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that. Oh, I asked for this, but it was not supposed to, to look like this. And I had this exact same conversation with somebody today. And I, I was a little bit blunt with them. And I just said, it's you, you're doing this to yourself. You're self-sabotaging. You want to pretend that you're the victim because you don't want to do the work now that you see in front of you. And that's okay. I am here to tell you that that realization is brutal and it is, you need to take a hot minute and just go, Oh, I am angry. I am mad. I am upset. You need to name those feelings, name those emotions so that you can move through them because what you're feeling is valid. And what you're experiencing now is the beginning of the work of weight loss surgery. And what we're starting to call it East to West, you've now exited that honeymoon and you're now in the commitment phase. You have to make a commitment to either your new life where you burn your, it's like burn the ships. You got to burn your old life so that you can embark on this new adventure. And if you do not make that commitment, regain is in your future. And it is brutal. And, and I like awful. I like that you call it commitment versus just maintenance because maintenance makes it sound like it's automatic. Um, but yeah, but, but commitment is, is it puts the onus on you. Dude, we've been having this discussion for months, but Jason and Natalie and I about like, we just keep saying like, there's something missing. Everybody says that you go from honeymoon to maintenance, but you don't, there is this period of time and it is different for every single person. And it's in this commitment stage, right? Where you really wrestle with regain. You've kind of got this Mm -hmm. moment of reckoning where you're like, oh, no, no, no. The scale's going back up. My old habits are coming back. Like all, all of a sudden you're just like, you feel like you are drowning in what you thought was never going to be there again. And you reach this precipice, you reach this point where it's like, okay, I either go my, my new bariatric life or I'm going back to the old one. You can't get to maintenance without making that commitment. And that commitment is the piece that we have all been missing. And you don't know that that's even a stage unless you have lived it. 
Yeah. I, I just well, want to add one thing though, because, um, and this goes like, I feel like Laura, you probably do some of this with the head work um, program, but it's like, there's this, anytime you want to lose weight before surgery, there's an urgency to it. But weight loss happens so slowly. And then after the honeymoon phase, it also again happens slowly. And the urgency needs to be taken out of the equation because it's not urgent. It's going to be the rest of your life. So like leaning into it and easing into these new habits and lifestyle and behaviors and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's what we need to get back to. Just sinking into it and saying, okay, like I commit it's fine. It's fine. I commit and I'll just, you know, like, like April, you were saying you do one thing, you know, every single day, even if that's all you can do, that's fine. You know, but committing to one thing every single day is appropriate. I think in that phase. It is Jason, then I'm, Laura. Oh yeah. Or Laura. I love the, I love the commitment word as well. I mean, I think that's why Jan and I are here to talk about regain. Um, you need to commit to managing it and understanding that, you know, it's going to happen and I need to commit to, to realize, okay, this isn't, this is, it's about my disease. It's not about me as a person. Um, my symptoms are flaring, if you will. And what's going to be my relapse management plan. And um, that's what I do. That's what I do a lot of work with, with my clients. And it's about, um, first of all, you know, why does regain happen? You know, what are some scenarios? Take some time to look at what are some scenarios that have caused regain in the past? Name it. Because guess what? Those are going to be the same scenarios that you see post-bariatric surgery. And what I've always learned is it's usually a stressful event. It's usually increased stress and our patients forget to take care of themselves and they become everything to everyone again and emotional eating emerges. You know, take a look at committing to say, okay, these are the scenarios what are some um, unhealthy behaviors that start emerging? What are some symptoms I see? Maybe you're snacking more. Maybe you're hiding food, eating in the car. Maybe you're not journaling. These are going to be the same behaviors that reemerge. And then make a commitment, right? We're back to that. When I see these, this happening, okay? And sometimes our patients put, you know, I have, you know, to not get to that 20 pounds of regain, to not get to that 30 pounds, if I regain this amount of weight, I will do the following right? This is the work of weight loss surgery. I will reach out to somebody at East to West. I will get back to my center. I will make an appointment with my dietitian. I will start ordering berry box. I will go back to basics. I will make an appointment with a therapist, make a plan and share it with someone. And that's what I meant by the ceiling, like having an upper number that you're comfortable, like that you're not comfortable with, because that's the, I think that that's the missing piece. It's like, okay, well, once you hit that number, what is your plan and planning ahead for that? Yes. It's good that you mentioned that because like you guys have both said, like I had told you, I'm, I'm like 305, 309 is kind of where I've been bouncing back and forth. I hit 312 uh, about two weeks ago and I flipped. I was like, nope, not doing that again. Anything 310 and over, I'm not doing that. We're not living there. And so I automatically went back to, you know, stripped it back down to basics, did everything I had to do, went back to straight water protein, went through my day, cut out everything else I knew wasn't serving me right. And it got me back down to where I was comfortable. But I knew right off the bat that I'm not going, you know, there was that certain threshold that I wasn't going over. And we talk about a lot, you know, people think that the having the hard conversations with yourself stop when you talk yourself into having surgery. 
Like, you know, you have a hard conversation, you face hard conversations when it's time to agree to have surgery. But these conversations continue because you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. If you focus any, if you face any kind of regain, you've got to be able to tell yourself off the bat, you know, you're messing up. You've got to go back because what you're going to wind up doing is you'll find out you're 20, 30, 40 pounds ahead. And then it feels insurmountable. And that's when you just start, you know, you throw your hands up and go, well, shit, there's nothing I can do now. And when in reality, you didn't gain that 20, 30, 40 pounds in two weeks. So it's not coming off in two weeks, but people think they immediately have to get it off. Like they, they want to wipe it off. Like it didn't happen because yeah, they, the don't look like they, yeah, they don't want to look like they failed. So they, they've got to hurry up and get it off real quick, but it didn't, it didn't go on like that. So you've got to, you've got to brace yourself for the, you know, for the long haul here. And that's where those hard conversations continue to come about. Like, we're not just going to have one time where we sit down and be brutally honest with ourselves and then go, <laughs> I'm good. Well, I don't need anything else. I don't want to talk to myself anymore. There's no more communication needed because I got this lick. I had surgery and I just keep moving on and everything's cool. But those tough conversations, like you've got to be willing to continue to have those with yourself because that's what got you to where you were in the first place. So continuing to have those is only going to serve you in the best way possible, even though it sucks up front. Like, yeah, it's not fun. Like nobody wants to sit down and be that honest with themselves. But at the end of the day, if you want to truly be successful, that's what's got to happen. You, you mentioned this, you took an inventory when you had the reckoning of this is happening. I got up to a number I'm not comfortable with. You took an inventory. What am I doing right now? And what has always worked for me? And you compare those two columns. You can even write them down. And that is honestly like, cause we always just say, oh yeah, go back to basics, go back to basics. But like, what are you willing to do? What has always worked for you? What's comfortable for you to go back to? And, you know, for me, I always like to look at data. So, um, you know, when we, when we talk about logging food, it doesn't need to be perfect in like Barry Tastic or my fitness pal. It can actually just be handwritten or in like a notes app. Like you just write it down because then you're going to see, you could even compare it to a few weeks ago, if you've already been doing it and say, Oh, maybe it was those extra, like few bites. Cause those things do add up when you think about weight gain. And this is like a very basic level. There are other things that, you know, coincide with weight gain. 3,500 calories equal a pound over time, whether that's a pound lost or a pound gained. So if you're eating over the course of one month, you're eating an extra 3,500 calories, you might gain one pound. And I know that there's other things that play into this. I get it. I know. But from the very basic level, that is going to be one of those things. So if you're eating a hundred extra calories a day over the course of 35 days, you will gain a pound. You see how that works? So, so yes, one of those little, like you could take a a tablespoon of peanut butter and that's a hundred calories right there. You know, you could put one extra tablespoon of uh, dressing on your thing because you weren't measuring it out anymore. That's an extra hundred calories right there. So little little things okay okay oh girl i i just had this conversation with somebody today it's like we're so resistant to tracking because we actually don't want that data because that data is going to show us exactly what we need to do right and we we're not ready to do that or we don't want to do that because we're worried about like okay but now i'm going to be back to obsessing about my food well now i'm going to be well now i've got to do this and but i don't want to give up eating this because that's the only thing that i have let right like if you start asking yourself, but why are you so resistant to literally doing this? 
this right. is yeah. all you're doing, right? Like, why am I so resistant to checking off? It's the not going to be what I'm trying to say with these little like 100 calorie things here and there, it's not going to be an insurmountable change that you're going to have to take out everything from your diet. And it's scary. And it feels like, Oh, I don't want to do that. It's these tiny little things. You can do that. Everyone can do that. But Jana, now you're taking it. (laughs) Exactly. But Jana, but now you're taking away all of my reasons and excuses to do this work, which is why Jana is, or Laura is here on this, this episode to tell us why we're so resistant to doing these little things that we know we need to do to battle regain. That's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Well, I think. I think again, I mean, maybe you haven't had the reckoning of accepting that surgery wasn't the cure. I think there was a lot of hope that surgery was the cure and now you're making me work again and I have to give that up. I think there's a piece of that and there, you know, there's, you're, you're upset about that. I think there was this desire and this hope and this belief that I would never have to work at weight loss again. Um, There is no cure for a chronic disease. There is treatment. And your bariatric surgery tool is a wonderful tool for the treatment, but you need more treatment tools as well. And, you know, that's what we're talking about. Um, I think, like I said, another podcast episode, there is fear, there's fear of success. Um, There's self-sabotage. I mean, there's a lot of psychological reasons why um, we don't want to do the work of weight loss surgery. And, and they just are, we know, we just got to name them and keep talking about them and get treatment for them. And I think really, Laura, you, you actually just said the magic sentence because everything falls under this sentence. Surgery is not the cure. Surgery is a part of our treatment plan. And we go into this thinking, this is the only thing that we're going to need to battle our obesity. And it is a piece of our treatment plan. It is not the whole plan. That's a big misnomer. And I think bariatric patients are sold on this idea that, no, this is what you need. And and it's not necessarily, well, they are sold. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a yes and a no, right? Because people who have not battled the disease of, op- of obesity don't understand this, right? Surgeons think, nope, I give you, I, I gave you this treatment. You're, you're good to go. They don't understand that it's a piece of the plan. And it's our job as patients, unfortunately, to go, oh my God, to have this realization of, oh, this is a piece of the plan. This isn't the whole plan. And that is part of the commitment. That's part of the reckoning. That's a part of that brutal moment when you realize, oh my God, I have so many things that I have to do every day to find success and to keep, and to keep, to find that happy, healthy weight long-term it's crushing. It's a crushing blow. And Jason and I are here to say, we hear you friends. We have lived through it, or we are experiencing it because even though I'm two years out, there's still days that are crushing blow. There's still days that I lapse. And that's why. And, the, and I still experience relapse two years out. Jason, you're a year out. You're experiencing the same thing. Yeah, I'm 19, 19 months out now. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it, I still I still go through that. I still have days where I realize. But at the end of the day, I mean, the, patients are sold on it. It is a business at the end of the day. That's why they do seven, eight, ten surgeries a day they're pumping them out. I mean, it, it is a business. So they want to get people in and make it, make it polished up nice and pretty as much as they can with, you know, yeah. with as little information of how hard it's going to be on the back end, because that's not their job. Their job is to get you through the surgery alive and well. And once you're yeah. out the back end, they're like, all right, man, take it easy. Uh, your check cleared. All right. Take it. Yeah, we'll see you in a, in a year. And right. you know, that's fine. But that's where we come in, you know, like you said, to, to make sure that people know, 
ahead of time when they're doing the pre-op work that yeah. there's work to be done pre and post-op and it doesn't stop just because you you know your scars are healed well and i and i already know the answer to this question but jason you and i both have to answer it could you have lost this amount of weight without surgery as a part of your treatment plan no yeah and i could not have either so surgery is a necessary part of the treatment plan it is not the whole treatment plan and i yeah. want to add in there not you know, some patients may have answered that question. Yes, I could have lost it. But the key is, could I have sustained it? Could I have kept it off? And what we know, I love data too. What Jana and I know is bariatric surgery is the best tool out there for patients with the disease of obesity yes. to keep it off long-term. Yes. But it's Thank not you. without regain. And we, you know, when, when you are talking about, um, surgeons, like just taking people in and doing the surgery, um, yeah, they do make it nice and shiny. And they say that this is going to be the thing. Um, but because if we said, oh, you're going to regain, like be aware of that, (laughs) you know, then people might not get the surgery. So I, I mean, that's, you're right. That's what we're all here for. That's why we have a community of people. There wouldn't be this strong of a community if we didn't need it, you know? Yes. So like, well, and Jenna, you do bring up a really good point, right? Like you're not going to sell, you're not going to convince somebody to do something. If you're like, here's what it is. Take a look around, right? Like nobody's going to go, Oh yeah. I signed me up for all this. No, yeah, you, you are right. In a lot of ways, you do have to be sold on. This is, this is the key. This is the thing that you've been, been, been waiting for. Cause it is true. It's the thing that Jason and I needed. We just didn't understand. And I don't think you can understand what this thing actually is. And yeah, it's like Pandora's box, right? Like you don't know what it is until you open it up. But once you open it up, you're like, oh my God, I, what the right. hell? I mean, uh. my, and my, surgeon was, my surgeon was great about the fact that he did say, he's like, this is the best option for you, for your body makeup, for your yeah. age, for your whatever, you know, this is what's going to be the best for you. We can offer you this. You can, you will probably lose this around this range of weight loss. If that doesn't work and you don't end up losing enough, we can always do a revision. You can come back. We can do And I was like, no, you get one shot with me, bro. Like whatever I lose is what I lose. That's where I'm staying. I was like, we're not going back in. So I mean, and I'm fine, and I'm fine with that because I was given the option. I was given multiple options. I was told ahead of time what, you know, what was possible. So I went in with my eyes a little open, but the more we talked to people, you know, patients on the outside, not everybody was given the same amount of information that April and I were. And that's really more of what we're leaning towards is trying to kind of help shine the light on some of those that, that aren't really as forthcoming with as, as our surgeons were. So. Or, or they say glad, that. That's why I'm glad East to West is here because Jan and I, I think we both have worked with wonderful bariatric centers that are centers of excellence and have ASMBS guidelines. And, you know, I've worked with, and they have a very integrative approach and, you know, the surgeons I've worked with do tell the patients, this isn't a cure. It is the best tool, but it's not a cure. And there's these other people on our team that are just as important as me who are going to work with you. What I've learned is that our bariatric surgery patients are in such information overload and they're so hopeful and they're so desperate. They don't absorb it. They don't yeah. absorb the bariatric surgery is not a cure truth until they're struggling with regain and relapse. Yes. And that honeymoon phase really makes it difficult to accept that when you get out of the honeymoon phase, because it is that false promise. 
I mean, that's I, I I love the honeymoon phase and I hate it at the same time because it really gives you that false promise that this is actually how weight loss happens. And it's not it's not well, and it, it doesn't and it doesn't temporary. just glide to an end like you don't just start like ramping down on what like when the honeymoon's over it's like in the cartoons when you step on the board and it comes up and whacks you in the face that's the end of the honeymoon phase like you just hit the face with it and you're like what the hell was that and they're like that's oh, all folks. suck it up buttercup like now you gotta work and you're like wait what and you're trying to come back from from your concussion like what happened and they're like yeah put the walk in and you're like ah. You don't really know what that's going on. And I will, I will recommend to all of my patients that they meet with me at the six month mark about, because that's usually when that happens, you know, if you're lucky you get a year or whatever, but it's, it starts to happen at around six months. Um, and that can be, you know, look, even if you were just like kind of coasting and that was great. And now you're like, now I'm ready to put the real work in. And there isn't that urgency that's there's the commitment, um, and the sinking in, I, that's what I call it with my patients, the sinking in and just acceptance, um, that this is going to be like this for a little while now. And I just have to be patient. Um, but patience is going to form those tiny habits And I always go back to the tiny habits because Lauren and I did a talk on tiny habits before. And it's like those tiny habits take a really long time, but then they become second nature as long as we're planting them and we're watering them and we are tending to them. So, you know, six months, if you're, if you're in the beginning stages, make the appointment with your therapist and dietitian at around the six month mark, if you haven't already. Well, and, and I just, and I have to say too, as, as a bariatric patient, I dropped an entire pant size at my second year mark. So if you're listening mm. to this and you're saying like, oh my gosh, I've been battling regain and I'm years out, or I'm worried about this, or, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm one year out. And I'm so disappointed that I'm not where I thought I was going to be. We're here to tell you friends that, that, that slow roll, that patience, you know, you, you have a lifetime to get this right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're baby bariatric patients. We don't know how to live at a happy, healthy weight. It's going to take us a long time to figure it out. And, and thank goodness we have that time. We've got that space and that grace to, to figure it out as we go. And I think what this conversation is really highlighting for me, it's like, okay, I got my like pages of notes here. You guys, you guys know how I roll by now, right? That the regain happens for kind of three big reasons, nutritional, emotional, or medical, right? And even if we come to this point in our bariatric journey and we realize, oh my God, I'm battling with some regain or I'm facing some regain, we don't necessarily need to know why the regain happened in that very moment, right? We need to give ourselves some space from the reason because we need some distance so that we can really analyze all of the things that are going into it because it's caused by those three things. And it could take these three things to get us back to that happy, healthy weight. It could take nutrition, it could take uh, head work, and it could take more medical treatment. But unless we get some space from that and we gather the data, we're never going to know. We're just going to throw ourselves off the cliff and say, we're a failure. And that's where we get to collapse. The whole point of this conversation is to avoid that collapse stage. But what I'm also hearing is good news, friends. If you are in the collapse stage, this is th- this is your pathway out of collapse. This is your pathway back to hope and that you are never to a point where you are beyond hope, right? Oh. Ever. Ever. And your tool's is- not broken. It's still on board. Thank you, because it's always with us. This is the thing. 
And Jason, I tell people this all the time. People are like, oh, I need to do a pouch reset or I need to do skinny tees or I need to do this. He and I are both like, mm. no, can I, can I add in just like one quick nutritional recommendation? If you ever feel like your pouch is broken, eat your protein first, always. So have like a three to five ounce piece of protein, whether it's chicken, fish, shellfish, tuna, beef, pork, make it lean, you know, low fat dairy, eggs tofu, tempeh, TVP, I don't care. Have that first and completely finish it and eat maybe like give yourself about three to four hours. Don't go more than that. Because if you're thinking, oh gosh, I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry. Well, maybe you need a meal. Maybe you need yeah. a balanced meal and that's oh. okay. So having balanced meals, three per day, maybe four, if you have a, if you're really like tight in your stomach, um, have your protein first stay hydrated. You're going to realize, oh my God, my pouch works like a charm. Uh, let, let me be the uh, poster child evidence of this. Remember in September, Jason, when, when we were doing back to basics and, and I realized I can't trust myself with food choices. I can't, right. I'm, I'm not there yet. I need to take my trust card away. And I ordered berry box meals. And the, mm-hmm. and the first meal I had, when I looked at that tiny portion, I was like, oh, Jan is crazy. This is not a bariatric. This is not. A, and, I, and I was starting to think like, oh, I've, I've done some damage down there. Nope. The very first meal I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't eat all of this. Oh yeah. Gee, it's because you have not been eating balanced meals. Oh gee. It's because yes. you've been living on Trulies and Cheetos for the past month. Yeah. Baby. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, this a is balanced it. meal. Yes, your tool is when, those meals, <clears throat> when those meals are already made for you and you don't have to think about it and the choice is taken out and you don't mm. even have to like say, oh, well, I'm going to eat this over this, or I'm yeah. going to make that decision. No, no, that the meals are already there and they're pre-made yeah. and they have exactly the nutritional needs that you need for that one meal. Yeah. You're set. You don't oh. need to have willpower anymore. You don't oh, need to have I- motivation. Dude, that the three of you on the screen is what saved me from my from my summer abyss, right? It was it was it was literally Jason going, "Okay, friend, like you're you're like catastrophizing this. You just need to get yourself back to basics." It was it was my berry box meals and it was Laura in my head going, "Okay, but why are why are you really panicking about a portion size? Or why do you feel like you need eight trulies?" It took all three of you. It took it took my community, it took nutrition, and it took head work. And that took work on, on my part. But here was the thing that kind of allowed me to step back and go, okay, wait a minute, April, you, you are not doing this alone. You want to catastrophize this. You want to say like, oh, you know, you're a failure. And oh, look at all this work you have to do. I literally, Space and Grace, some friends, I had to step back and go, okay, wait a minute. What do I have to do? And then what team members can I bring on? Oh, I can bring on Barry Box. I can bring on Jason and I can bring on Laura. And I dropped the weight like that. It was, it was hard, but not as hard as I was catastrophizing. And it was actually pretty simple. Do this, do that. Ask yourself this. Oh, oh look at that. It worked. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. And now I'm back to 206 and not 218 was the highest I saw this summer. And that was, that was my, oh, right. Yeah. Mm. No. Right. right. And and really, and I had all the evidence there. I just didn't want to admit it. I could go to my garbage. What's in my garbage? Truly cans and Cheetos. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. I can, I can go to my mental evidence. What have I been telling myself that I'm a piece of shit, that I'm garbage and I'm a failure that, you know, I'm, I'm portraying one thing and I'm, I'm saying one thing, but I'm doing another. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, and that, the funny thing is, is you say that that you you had a hard time and you didn't want to admit it, but the funny thing was, is you would admit it to me and to Natalie. You would talk about it openly, but you weren't going to change the behavior when it came back to like you'll you'll talk about it openly in a meeting or when we're talking to each other. But the minute you put the phone down, you went right back and grabbed the truly and the Cheetos and went right back to it. So it wasn't until you got ready to make that to flip the switch was when you were able to actually do the work. So you can talk about it all day, but it's not until you're ready to be about it that those yeah. changes are actually going to activate. So oh, it, it you was when to do both. So I kind of did this, right? It's like, oh, my ceiling, my ceiling, and I was like this, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, th- this is this is this is not for me, right? Mm-hmm. No, and and, yeah. and we all have that, and and I know that that exists in this community because all 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 of us experience this every day. People reach out to us and they go, ooh. Things are not well. I'm really desperate. I'm feeling a lot of shame. And I'm so thankful, Laura, for for that three things, because I can finally tell people, oh, friend, you've not collapsed. You're in a relapse. The fact that you're reaching out, the fact that you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast or reaching out to one of us or sending a direct message. mm -mm, You you, right Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This episode. Oh my God. I literally just, this will be one of the few ones that I listen to again and again and again, because there is so, there's so much here. Uh, I, I think what I'd like to do is, is I guess to wrap this up, what's the one piece of advice that you could give to, to a listener or a watcher when it comes to regain? It's kind of a loaded question. I am going to go back to my three things that I said the other day on the virtual bariatric meetup. And it's going to be not to do a reset because again, that's the urgency that's, I need to do it now, but it's going to be to reignite your why. Okay. So why am, why am I even doing this? Taking a step back, reprogram your mind, whether that means meeting with your therapist or looking at (laughs) Laura's program, whatever it might be. And then refocus to the basics. And that's going to be the nutrition piece of it. Okay. You don't need a reset. You need to be honest with yourself. I love it. Reignite, reprogram, refocus. Love it. Yeah. And I would just say, um, don't, don't make regain a character issue. Don't enter the shame cycle. You know, know that it's going to happen. Obesity is a chronic disease. Regain is a symptom and be prepared to deal with it. Name it. I would like to encourage every listener and everyone who's watching this to create their own relapse management plan. Take some time and write it down. Okay. Write down what scenarios have caused relapse in the past. What are old unhealthy behaviors that emerge because they're going to come back. And then what are you going to do about it? And then here's the key. I strongly want to encourage your listeners to share that relapse management plan with somebody else because accountability works. Give yourself a ceiling, whatever that number is. Right. If I regain blank amount of pounds, I will do the following, which is Jana's three R's, right? And what does that look like? Oh my gosh. Jason, what about you? What, what, what would you pass along? Mine would be the same, like with the, especially with the thinking that your pouch is broken, think you need a pouch reset, think you need, a, you know, all these things that we come up with that are buzzwords in the community that really shouldn't be. It, it really simply boils down to those three R's. I mean, you have to really have that hard conversation with yourself and say, am I doing all I 
could be doing to make sure that I'm successful in this journey? And if those answers come back, if you're really, truly honest with yourself and those answers come back other than yes, then you definitely need to follow those three hours. Yeah. And I think my most powerful aha from today is that even if you are in collapse, it's really simple to get out of that. And that's reaching out. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you have to do. That's the only thing that is that is keeping you in collapse is, is you not reaching out and saying, I need help. Well, think of how many people we talk to that say, you know, uh, you know, I've been gone from the community for a while, but things just haven't been going well. When you remove oh. those accountability partners from your, you know, from your immediate, you know, surroundings, yeah. bad things happen to you because you don't have anybody that, uh, you know, that, that looks in on you saying, hey, how's it going? Everything going good? We, and that's usually what we find. The farther away people remove themselves from the community, the harder time they have. And um, when you continue yeah. to hold those people close to you, because we talk to so many people that don't have an immediate support system in their in their direct home, let alone their surrounding friends and family yeah. in their yeah. own home. So, yeah. you, I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure in that situation. If you remove all the help completely, then yeah. you have nobody to look after you. So, yeah. uh, you know, keep your community first and foremost and surround yeah. yourself with those people who are going to hold you accountable and keep you on your program. Yeah. Because because community is treatment. And if you remove treatment, if you stop coming to group, if you mm. stop being connected, your symptoms are going to be reactivated. What are the symptoms? Wow. Oh my okay. <laughs> now we're we gonna wrap uh, up we're gonna wrap it up there. Yeah. Yes. I think guys, that's perfect. That's beautiful. You guys just straight broke me in the best possible way. Oh my god, community is treatment. Oh my and we bet we happen to have the best community in the world so we have the best yes. treatment in the world yes i i am shook okay well you have left me speechless shook aha broken like brain is leaking out of my ears this has been i don't even know like i'm just like sweating i'm so like i <laughs> wow ladies where can people find you on the interwebs jana we'll start with you and we'll finish with laura Yes, I am at my Barry box, B-A-R-I box. Um, you can go to my website, www.barrybox.org, or you can see me on Facebook and I'm Jana Wolf RD. If you want to talk to me directly, or if you want to visit our page, Barry box, go ahead. We are open for business. Yes. And you can find me in the Facebook uh, world, Laura Grabo, Headwork for Healthy Weight Loss, Instagram. I'm just at Laura Grabo and I spelled Laura how it sounds, L-O-R-A. And I also have a website, lauragrabo.com, where you can learn more about me and about my online course. And the crazy thing, you guys, is that if you message these women, they are the ones messaging you back. I know. No, it's so always. shocking. Always. But these ladies, I mean, yeah, I, that's how Jason and I communicate with them. It's how we encourage you to communicate with them. But they're, they're resources, you guys, that, that they truly want to help you. They, and they want to help this community. So if you reach out to them, they will be there for them. And like I said, Jason and I and Laura are fans of, of Berry Box. I have had the privilege of seeing and taking parts of Laura's courses, amazing resources. So don't, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, And if you are wondering, where is the community? 
I probably recommend that you follow us on Instagram. We are at East, the number two, West underscore WLS. We know that that is a very long name. Might be changing in the future. That's all I got to say. If you are looking for a community, you should also follow us there and you should get on our email list. Head to our website, www.east2westwls.com. Sign up. We promise it's not spam. But if you are looking for community, something is coming. And you are going to want to be a part of that. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, before Jason says his, good, his goodbyes, ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. This conversation. Good yeah, good one is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> you are amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And thank you for offering your expertise on our podcast. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Always. Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Ladies, like April said, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, every time it's it's better than the last time. It's more invaluable and we can't thank you enough. So thank you both. Um, and for all the support that we've received so far, we thank everybody that follows, shares, likes, subscribe. We appreciate that. The word of mouth has been amazing. The community is growing every day. And that is because of you. You do not forget that you can leave ratings on your favorite podcast players, as well as our YouTube channel ratings, reviews. You can leave us comments. If you're listening to us on the Anchor app, you can also leave us voice messages that we can incorporate into future podcast episodes. And we love doing that. So thank you guys for all those that we've received so far and continue to do that because we love we love hearing them and we love incorporating. So thank you guys so much. And just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.